0: Squatters, 36 seconds, into the overtime. All right. Oh, let's go. Tristan Robbins bangs away at it. Second time. Let's lose it. Behind for Taylor. It's in the net. The Blades going
1: to the net. They take it in. It's free. Nothing 3 do. Blades Uncut. For the last eight weeks or so, whenever I've come into this booth, I've been sitting here On the opposite side of a pane of glass, with Panky all by my lonesome in front of a microphone, all and now
0: here he is.
1: Les Lazarick has been released
0: from Regina
1: by myself, and I'm partially hoping he's on (laughs) his way back. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, and welcome Les back into the booth. Yes, episode 36 of Blades Uncut, a presentation of Original 16. As always, that hasn't changed. No. And why should it? it? Shouldn't. No, no. It should not change.
0: <laughs> original 16, original 16 Ultra. The great unsung brewery with the great unsung brew, as I like to say about our unsung heroes at the end of each cool uh, 98 cool broadcast of Blades Hockey during the Hub.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's a treat to have them on board and oh, yeah. wonderful to have you too, Les. Uh, you know, it's it's been a while, the phone calls and the technological setup the Panky had to hoodwink and jump uh, jump through hoops to try to figure out and doing a three-way conference call to get previous episodes on. Now, we don't have to worry about that. Nope. Just a simple phone call. Today, of course, we speak. Speak with Colin Priestner, the general manager of the Saskatoon Blades, who will look back on the season that was and also certainly touch on the season that is coming up. That's where the main focal point of this entire conversation is. But for you, Les, now you're back. You're free at last. (laughs) What's it like to be back here in Saskatoon? Well,
0: it's nice to be back. It's nice to be back at home in a comfortable bed. Uh, It's nice to have my wife around and the dog around and... uh, Shaved myself. I don't longer have the beard going. I hardly
1: recognized you that, that last game. That I, that, yeah. that
0: lasted, uh, what? I, I guess I started that on February the 20th on my birthday, and uh, I shaved it off on May 1st. It was a, a great decision. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, no, like I say, I hardly recognize you. Tyler Warwick and I carpooled down to Regina to catch that last game. I got a sneak peek on what that beard was looking like, so you're looking a lot cleaner. It was pretty pretty scruffy. Yes, yes. I had a couple of punchlines ready to go if you hadn't (laughs) shaved. All right. Uh (laughs) Well, as always, this is Blades Uncut, a presentation of Original 16, but it's also a presentation of Tin Center Saskatoon, Saskatoon's premier window film provider, Visit them at TintCenter.ca or shoot them a phone call at 683-3456. Lots Correct. to get through this episode. Mm-hmm. Less, exactly one week ago, what am I trying to say here? Exactly one week ago, this season, whatever you want to make of it, the calamity of what the last 10 weeks were came to a conclusion. And I got to give a huge Huge shout-out to the entire Saskatoon Blades hockey team. A 16-5, 2-1 record, finishing third place in the East Division. Many are considering it one of the best seasons in franchise, certainly one of the best starts in franchise yes. history, for yep. sure. You know, for, for you to be a part of that whole experience, be not directly in that Tier 1 grouping of the bubble, mm-hmm. but the next best thing, must have been a, a just a crazy experience for you.
0: Well, it was a crazy experience, uh, just from the idea that You go down on March 10th, originally, a few days before the season starts. uh, Lots of anticipation, a lot of unknowns as to how things were going to work. Uh, Is your equipment going to work? Are they ready to allow broadcasting to happen? Is everything going to interface properly and you're going to be able to get on the air? All those sorts of things. And they all ended up being positive responses. Uh, It was great to see a lot of my colleagues, uh, or at least talked to a couple of them, couldn't get close Mm -hmm. enough to uh, my cohorts in Swift Current and Moose Jaw because Craig Boschman and James Gallo ended up <laughs> they, being in the hub. They were they, in they the They bubble. were with the yes. teams. Yeah. So they couldn't come up to the booth where we would be. They had to broadcast from the other side of the rink in behind the benches, which wasn't a very good uh, viewpoint the, yeah, for them. not the best setup. No, it was an yeah. awful setup for them. And I felt badly for them because it was great for us and it was nice to be back in the broadcast booths in the Brand Center. The only problem was it was the Brand Center. It was Regina. Uh, I mean, the rink itself is great. Uh, the city... It's Regina. So, I mean, I'd rather have been here in Saskatoon, but hey, that's that's the way that goes. But just the fact that I was able to do 24 games over the course of a seven-week or 47-day period, as it yeah. turned out to be, uh, was huge to be able to do. Huge for my mental health, huge for my well-being period, and just good to get back to some sense of normalcy, even though I lived in a one-bedroom apartment for the most part yep. of the 50 days. Uh, but it was good, too. And I want to thank the folks at Obasa 63 Suites for putting me up. I want mm-hmm. to thank uh, all the various folks that uh, were involved in uh, getting us to what we were able to do. Uh, the Pats, the Blades, all the teams. Uh, Gord Broda with the Prince Albert Raiders was a key in getting the mm-hmm. government and the, he- the health authority on side to make sure that this could happen. So a lot of people to thank, and thank you for that. Um, but now... It's looking ahead towards better days, normal days, and being able to get fans back in the rink and yeah. being able to see them again uh, and and see what the Blades in 2021-22 are going to look like after well, after what was a lot of fun yeah, in this 2021.
1: It was. And Colin Priestner will touch on a lot of the offseason prep that yep. he and uh, the rest of the scouting and the coaching staff are doing uh to prepare for that 2021 2022 season we ask a couple of the hard questions we start getting some answers a little bit more clarity we want to remain transparent as, Mm -hmm. as much as we can yep colin was wonderful to chat with uh but um you know i gotta say too les you were starting to go a little bit squirrely uh you know, around December, January, February. Very much so. You know, it was every single recording, and we were doing these recordings once weekly. And, uh, yeah, no, I was a little concerned for your mental health for sure. So it was good to see you uh, back up in the booth where you belong and – your voice on the Airwaves Carrying Blades broadcast. You did a phenomenal job Thank you. pumping Blades hockey over the course of the 8, 9, 10 weeks, however long it was. And also a big thanks for coming on these Blades Uncut recordings every two weeks while you were mm. down there, too. So, okay, so a lot to get to this episode. We will dig into uh, some of the finer details of this roster when we chat with Colin. Yep. He digs into, you know, what the 0-1 situation looks like. Yep well we just had the conversation with him and like we didn't hold back we were throwing him a couple of curveballs just because we care about our fan base we want to get the answers that yep. we from the guy who would probably know the answers but of course we also have the trivia question mm. to recap okay so let's do that and then we will dive into a, a little bit more about Chase Waters, Caden Daly, Ryan McLeod, we'll touch on that, and then we'll shoot it off to Colin Priestner, in the chat that we had with him. But the trivia question from a couple of weeks ago, Les, and this took a lot of research for mm-hmm. sure, and, uh, you know, it got my head spinning a couple of times. But here it is. We know that Brandon Lozowski, who we had on two weeks ago, yes, we know he was drafted ninth overall in 2019, but that pick didn't originally belong to the Blades. Mm-hmm. Who originally held that pick and describe the train of teams that it went through before eventually winding up in Saskatoon and ultimately landing Brandon Lozowski. Yes. Craziness. It was craziness. We had one submission. Yeah. And it is indeed the correct answer. Yeah. And he went into a lot more detail than what uh, the answer I have written down here uh, just for, uh, for our sake is. And I'd like to congratulate Al Alexander, who's a repeat winner of this Blades Uncut mm. podcast, for, the name. Yeah, for coming up with quite the answer here. And I don't even know if I want to read off the entirety of the text that he had submitted. I like your Coles Notes version okay. better. Okay, go ahead, Les. What's the answer? Well, it originally
0: belonged to Red Deer. Did the ninth overall pick in 2019. Was traded to Kootenay in 2018. That involved former Blade Cameron Housinger. Kootenay relocated to Winnipeg. They then struck a trade with Saskatoon, which sent the third overall pick
1: and Reese Harsh to Winnipeg in exchange for four picks, including the ninth overall. Right. And of course, the ninth overall, that's where we get number eight, Brandon Lazowski into the blades fold. So Al Alexander, you and your not so cold notes version of the answer, you have won a $20 gift card redeemable at the Frozen Pond. I'll be in touch in the next couple of days to get you your coupon codes so you can do some online shopping and stock up this summer with some Blades merch. Thank you for submitting your answer, and yes. uh, congratulations. We will have a new question coming up after our chat with Colin Priestner. Uh, before we get to that chat, list, I do want to congratulate the three graduating members of the Saskatoon Blades. Of course, we've heard a lot about Chase Waters, the impact and the legacy that he's leaving behind. Of course, he was the first three-year captain in franchise history. He signs off on his illustrious career with 280 career games, 75 goals, 106 assists for 181 points also had 217 penalty minutes to his name mm-hmm. so certainly a jack of all trades magnified uh, to uh, you know to the to stardom i guess if you want to consider his legacy and where he's at when it comes to the Saskatoon Blades organization we are also piecing together a tribute video we we i sat down with chase a couple uh, well it would have been last week uh, to chat a little bit more about his career, some of his finer moments Mm -hmm. and his memories and and that sort of thing. So look out for that. Uh, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on uh, the other two graduating players, Les, because you got a front row seat into what Caden Daly and Wyatt McLeod were all about. Both appeared to represent the Blades to the highest standard. Caden, of course, was acquired by the Blades midway through last season from the Regina Pats. And then, of course, Wyatt McLeod became a member of the Blades Uh, in the offseason when he was traded from the Edmonton Oil Kings. You must have been thrilled with what they brought to the team.
0: Absolutely. In Caden Daly's case, he brought uh, some leadership, which I didn't know he had, but he certainly showed that this year, uh, just conversing with him from long range. Uh, It was obvious (laughs) that uh, he had that, uh, I think he had a little bit of his dad in him. And uh, again, if you're not familiar with Devin Daly, Devin Daly was one of the greats basketball players in university basketball history in Canada, playing for the University of Winnipeg-Westman. And I know yeah. of Devin Daly from my days. Of course, I'm from Winnipeg originally and covered university sports back in the mm-hmm. late 70s, early 80s, but both at when I was attending university and in my early days in the media. Um, Devin Daly was one of the greats, and his son has a lot of those attributes that dad has and leadership was one of them. The other one that he has that is his alone is his skating speed. No, it's Phenomenal unbelievable skating yeah. speed. So that was something to be able to observe. Uh, and, and Caden brought a work ethic as well, which is something else he would have picked up, uh, legitimately from father. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Good Don Caden. It was great to have him along. He was a former first-round pick in the Bantam draft by the Brandon Wheat Kings and uh, a great way for him to finish off his final 46 games in the Western Hockey League over a season and a half or two seasons or however you want to look at yeah. it with the Blades. When it comes to Wyatt McLeod, as you'll hear from Colin Priestner, he never met the kid until <laughs> after the season was over. Yeah, uh, And I'm still waiting for that opportunity. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I hope so. Because Wyatt McLeod, to me, is Scott Walford 2.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Walford, what he brought to the team in 2019-20 as a very good defenseman and a very good human being, a very good person, those same attributes can be found with Wyatt McLeod. He scored some big goals in the hub. He had a, he played a lot. Yeah. I mean, when the Blades had some injury issues, especially late with Aiden delagore going down, Tanner Molendijk going down, uh, it wasn't unusual for Wyatt McLeod to play 30-plus minutes. Ryan Marsh and having the background with him from their days together in Edmonton as Wyatt was a 16 and 17 year old. I mean, Ryan Marsh leaned on Wyatt McLeod a yep. lot mm-hmm. during the final eight games of the regular season. And, uh, it didn't let him down. He was, he was tremendous. And I hope the young man gets an opportunity to do what he wants to do in hockey, uh, further his career, be it at the U sports level, possibly, or if it maybe involves professional hockey, but, uh, Fine young man, based on what I, again, was able to glean from listening to and talking to with him. And I hope he has great uh, things happening for him as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the same can be said for Chase and for Caden, well, both. Chase, <laughs> I know, Chase right? goes without saying uh, uh, that one. I'll, I'll start crying again
0: <laughs> if we get into this too far.
1: Well, yeah, some tears were nearly shed oh, with our chat with Colin. Exactly. And tears were shed uh, this day one week ago. <laughs> yeah, there sure were. And I'm sure a few have been shed ever since as well. Yes. I'm looking at you, Janice Waters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The waterworks in the Waters family were definitely activated. I can tell you that much. But uh, speaking about our chat with Colin Les, why don't we just jump straight into it? It's a phenomenal conversation. We chat with him for nearly an hour asking all things general manager related and prep for the 2021-2022 regular season. Take it away, Les. Mitch, joining us now is
0: the star of this particular episode of our Blades Uncut podcast, and that's the president and general manager of the Saskatoon Blades, Colin Priestner. Uh, I mean, eight seasons now, the Priestner family have owned the Blades. The last three have been incredibly good, uh, including this past year, 24 games in most incredible circumstances to ever be played. And yet the team had a great go of it. A lot of fun to be able to get this done. Quite the experience. And Colin, quite the experience, even from a general manager's point of view, who had to be away from it for as much of the time as you ended up having to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a bizarre season from top to bottom. I mean, uh, one funny thing I'll take, you know, just remember probably in 20 years from now is that, uh, you know, meeting a 20-year-old player for the first time in my life after he's played his last game for the Blades. I mean, <laughs> where else has that ever happened? Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, we had a fantastic start, you know, the nine zero and one I think it was, and the franchise best, and uh, uh, everything was really clicking. and then hit that little rough patch with, uh, you know, losing three of our best players all at the same time. And But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we were better off for that going through that experience to kind of get a, a good book on, on the guys coming up and, and who could handle the extra the challenge of, you know, playing higher up in the lineup and who needed that uh, kind of wake-up call of what that looks like and then having other guys be able to jump into those roles. And, um, you know, as a manager, I, I was able to, you know, not being in the bubble with the players and coaches, uh, you know, being a little bit removed from it, you know, going to the games kind of sitting in the crowd more than, you know, as a spectator almost, it was, it was really interesting opportunity for me to really observe the team and our strengths and weaknesses. And, um, you know, what we have going into next year and the years after that. And, you know, um, you know, all in all, I think a very trying experience. Uh, uh I think Mitch and Ryan did just an unbelievable job at keeping the kids focused every day and, and engaged. Um, and, Um, you know, it says a lot about our coaches when, you know, I informed them on a zoom call that there wasn't going to be any playoffs. And you, at that point, Mm -hmm. they'd been in the, in the dorms for, I don't know, whatever, six or seven weeks at that point. Uh, you know, not an easy lifestyle to be living in a dorm room on a single cot or whatever it was, uh, Mm -hmm. eating the same food every day and not being outside at all. Uh, and telling them that and seeing the disappointment and kind of almost devastation on their faces that that wasn't going to be a, and that just gives me every bit of, Knowledge that I already knew and need to know about those guys that you know, they could have easily just wanted to, hey, let's play the twenty four games. We did a good job. We're we're a good mm-hmm. team, and let's let's go home. And it was like they would have killed to be in there for another week, um, yeah. and that that says a lot about the leadership that we had running uh, running the the hub for us. So, uh, a lot of positives to take out of it.
0: Okay, so in the exit meetings the day after the final game, a sixteen five and three record, a third place finish in the division. What was the general messaging from yourself to the group, coaches,
2: and players? Well, I think, uh, you know, for me, I got to be kind of the fly on the wall where I know Mitch and, and Ryan being having the daily meetings and the daily video sessions and the same, you know, they're they're hammering home the same messages with the players all the time. And uh, it was a chance for me to kind of come in uh, with Hilti as guys that had kind of not been as... Um, you know, close to the situation and and maybe a new voice for them to, uh, to hear some feedback that I had, uh, uh, you know, in terms of what I saw from afar. And, and I think, you know, generally speaking, that generally aligns with what Mitch saw. And obviously Mitch and I and and healthy and all of us, Ryan, we all spoke every day about our players, but I think it was good for the players to hear kind of a a different voice as well. So, I mean, the message was different. There were some players Mm -hmm. where the message was, you know, you're real close to being, uh, you know, you know, uh, a pro hockey player in the next couple of years with the right development, and you did the right things. And this is what the the, the missing ingredient seems to be from a pro perspective to get in that contract, and it's what you really have to address going the summer. And then there was other guys where it was a more stern message about, you know, it's, you know, this is a dividing point in your life right now, and on April 29th or whatever date is, what, what, however you take this feedback that I'm you know me and the staff are giving you right now as a player is is you know going to determine like your next four months and that's going to determine whether you make this team next year and uh whether you're a part of what we're doing or not and there's guys that needed to hear that message that you know nothing egregiously bad by any means on any of these guys they were all great kids and Mm -hmm. all uh you know to varying degrees had had success this year but there's guys that needed to know what the next step for their career was going to take work ethic wise and off season wise to get there and and i'm you know i didn't really want to mince any words about that because they got four or five months here to to either take a small step or a big step for a lot yeah. of the guys that are you know everybody wants to jump into that role and we're losing some forwards as i'm sure we'll get into but you know you don't just get anointed into those roles it's going to be clear to our coaches and us uh, right when camp starts. Who's done the work and who hasn't? So that was mm-hmm. kind of my messaging to the players, and and also sincerely thanking them for the sacrifice they made, uh, uh, each and every one of them, whether they had zero points or thirty points, uh, for for doing what they did to, uh, for the blades. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the the crux of the meetings.
1: We'll dig into some of uh, the players specifically here momentarily, Colin. Uh, just as a whole, though, um, this you know this was a team that. Uh, really captivated the fan base here in Saskatoon, especially, like you say, the best start in franchise history. There were a lot of reasons why our fans should be excited. Should they be excited next season? Is the success from this season transferable into the 2021-22 campaign?
2: Uh, Definitely. I think everyone has great reason to be excited. Uh, You know, there's, you know, things we need to do as a management uh, to, you know, add some pieces that we're going to be losing but uh you know that's a challenge we're up for and mm-hmm. uh and uh you know there's different means to doing that and uh you know there's the euro draft there's um you know we have you know eight eight de- returning defensemen that we we like all eight and i think other teams would like all eight as well and we've got you know two goalies that are both starting goalies, uh, in this league easily now. And then we have two really good young goalies as well that are knocking on the door to, to want to back up next year. So, um, you know, we have some assets that we can, we can move and, and, uh, try and use to address things. But I think there's a lot of reason for optimism. And when we came in eight years ago, it's sounds, it's a long time now, almost a decade, but, uh, our plan was always to build this thing right and, and grow it incrementally. And I think, We were the only team in the entire Canadian Hockey League that, you know, for seven straight years, we improved our point percentage or our win total every single year for my first seven years here. And then we dipped a little bit from that peak year of uh, 2018 where we had the fantastic year there, Kirby's draft year. We dropped a little bit uh, going into the 2019 season. I mean, we were still a good team, but uh, it was the first year in the eight that we hadn't increased from the year before um and then again now now you know our, our goal every year is to be a perennial playoff team and we think we're built for that and you know each year um you know identifying what the needs of that current group are so i think there's a lot of excitement amongst our fans hopefully they're going to be really excited to get out first and foremost and get to some events whether that's played mm-hmm. or rush or concerts or whatever it is um but also just to see some of the young star talent that we've got kind of brewing in the system that are guys that you know are going to be you know worth your ticket just to watch uh, tanner Mollendyke wazowski uh, yeah. uh doc these really young players that are exciting to watch and and how they complement our older group of guys that have really kind of come into their own as stars in the league krinkovics delago jandiers and um you know reinhardt there's there's so many uh, uh, to even name uh, we've got a lot of those guys that are you know huge important pieces and then and then of course you got tristan robbins uh as a fifty-fifty kind of thing, whether he's coming back or not, you never really know until October. So, uh, there's lots of excitement around uh, around the year next year, and I'm, I'm really excited to to do what I can this summer to make our team better.
1: Maybe chat a little bit more about Tristan Robbins. It's clear that San Jose really likes him. Do you see him coming back next season?
2: I don't know, honestly. I don't. Uh, yeah. Generally speaking, twenty-year-olds when they're signed, uh, you know, don't come back to our league. But. Uh, um, you know, Tristan hasn't played a ton of games in the last couple seasons. You know, he didn't play in the dub as a 16-year-old and then, uh, you know, had a more limited role as, as a 17-year-old. And then, of course, the 18-year-old year didn't have a playoffs or the last 10 games because of the shutdown. And then this year, getting injured, he only played, whatever, 15 games. So he doesn't have a ton of WHL games like a lot of guys might have going into the 20-year-old season. Uh, talent-wise, of course, he, he can play in the American Hockey League, um, and uh, that's our goal, you know, for all of our players to go on to the next level and, and to yeah. play pro. And we're real proud of what he's brought to our group. And, um, you know, we, we hope to never see him again. But, uh, you know, San Jose sent back Miller Gregor, who's uh, an NHLer now. And mm-hmm. uh, he obviously gave us fits that season playing in Prince Albert uh, as a 20-year-old signed player. And they also sent Butchfeld back. And he's now an NHL player. So, they do have a different model a little bit than some other teams uh, in terms of signing guys if they think they can play 23 minutes a night at our level instead of uh, you know, a third or fourth line role at the American League level. Uh, so those are the factors we're going to be looking at, but we won't really know anything until uh, October when he gets there at camp and, and shows them what he's all about. And uh, mm-hmm. and also it'll determine for them as well on their system. You know, They've had a lot of picks in recent years as a rebuilding team, so they may have more guys they're trying to cycle through their system than some other programs and that'll be up to Tristan to determine whether he's you know ready at that level or if they're going to send him back for a year but if he's there he's going to do great And if he gets sent back I know he'll have he's the kind of kid that'll have the right attitude about being sent back and look at it as a way to you know come back and win the scoring title in the league and lead our team to to great things Mm -hmm.
0: the question I have was he missed the last eight games unfortunately because of a leg injury did the sharks have anything to do with him not playing at all? Because it seemed like the injury report was saying, uh, what, seven to 10 days and then day to day, and then he didn't play again. And I'm just wondering if the sharks had anything to do with that.
2: No, not at all. Actually. Okay. We didn't speak to the sharks. Uh, um, I never spoke to anyone about his injury other than, you know, uh, I'm sure the training trainer's report gets put in, but, uh, mm-hmm. no, it was just one of those things where he tweaked his knee and, uh, um, you know, he thought it was going to be kind of a week to 10 days and he would get that strength back. And then, you know, five, six days in, he was, you know, skating, uh, trying to skate in the morning skates. And it was, you know, he just wasn't able to get any power out of that leg. And it was just clear then with three games left that like, you know, uh, I think it was just, it just didn't make any sense. Like, you know, for him to come and play at 50% on his leg and risk hurting it. Um, so um, that was the decision there from, from our side and, and from his just, a, I think it was end up being maybe one degree of a sprain more than we originally might've thought the first day yeah. or two. Um, it just didn't heal as quick as we thought. So unfortunately he wouldn't have, he didn't get back in there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was disappointing, but, uh, you know, I think it was just the smart thing to do all around and he just didn't really have the, the leg strength and the power, uh, yet to, to push off on that knee. So that's, that ended up being the, the case. Okay. He,
0: to me, is the big X factor for next season for the Blades, CP. I mean, if he comes back, you have the opportunity, I think, to really do some major damage in the Western Hockey League next year because you've got yourself already one forward line, the top forward line, returning for next year. And it's a matter then of making sure that you have the support cast around and you've got a lot of those pieces already in place.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a linchpin, of course, Uh, But but uh, you know the philosophy that really Mitch has put into place in our culture with this team is that we aren't we're not one player uh, you know we're not one player uh, fits all like I mean if if we can't hinge our whole hopes on everything on whether Tristan comes back obviously would he help us immensely yes but um, you know that's it's out of our hands and we have to build the best hockey team we can with the assumption that he isn't coming back Um, and if he comes back we look at that as a bonus I mean we have euro picks that we're able to make that we you know are are hopeful that we can get two really good players there likely forwards um in that mix and you know we have uh we have extra defensemen that are real good prospects or good players and we have goalies that are real good goaltenders so we know that we can address some needs are we going to go out and find a Tristan Robbins uh, in the trade market probably not not a lot of guys out there like that uh, being one of the very best players in the league but uh you know we have to Look at it similar to what we looked at when with Kirby. I mean, you you can plan for Plan A and B, but ultimately it's when it's out of your hands. You have to plan more for the Plan B than 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 the player returning. So um, um, you know it's a definitely unique situation given you know COVID has really shortened his and a lot of other players' junior careers, and then not playing at 16 is another wrinkle, and then the San Jose thing is another wrinkle. So you know I'd say it's more uncertain than than in other years if you had a signed 20 year old, but. That being said, uh, we have to go into the assumption that he won't be back and build a team that we feel is really strong uh, without him.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Mitch Love is down in Texas attending that World Under-18. Uh, is he the only one from the organization down there? And what are you hearing? How important is having some presence of the team down in Texas at the World Under-18s?
2: Uh, Dan Tenser, our, yep. our director of scouting, was down there for the first, I think, four or five or six days um, going to see, uh, there was numerous events. So there was the under 18s, which has a lot of the O threes playing, uh, that are eligible for the import draft. And then there was also, uh, we have, um, uh, a couple prospects that were playing in the, uh, 15, uh, year old nationals at the same time. And then there was the O sixes who are going to be this upcoming U S draft, uh, uh, in December. They'll be, they were there too. So Dan was able to see all those guys, um, you know, had absolutely glowing things to say about our uh, europe or our u s pick Steve William from last year uh, by him I'm not exactly sure how to say his last name but uh, he just thought he was outstanding and he's a kid that uh, um, I think was turning heads all over the place of that tournament so uh, it was good for Dan to get to a chance to meet his family a little bit and uh, um, unfortunately Mitch uh, didn't get there until our season obviously was over and viveve's uh, team was out but uh, uh he was able to kind of Dan was able to you know, get it, get some good contact made with the family there, and uh, mm-hmm. and watch some of the the old sixes for next year. And Mitch is really kind of focusing on the the uh, 2003 crop that's there, and uh, also there's some O fours in that term as well for the underages, and uh, just getting uh, you know familiar with some of those players uh, should those guys be available for the Euro draft. And uh, obviously Brad's playing there as well, and I know Mitch is uh, uh, you know going to be keenly watching him tonight as well uh, when they play uh, in the semifinal. So. Um, Kind of good to have a couple guys there uh, uh, representing the, the blades.
1: I know that a lot of ha- a lot has to happen between now and September in terms of COVID restrictions and and that sort of thing, Colin. But it, hopeful from your perspective, you, you've got to be hopeful that we'll see some of those O sixes up here in Saskatoon for training camp.
2: Uh, it would be the fives because uh, or the, or, that's the. Yeah, the 05s would be the, the group we drafted. The 06s gotcha. won't be drafted okay. until, uh, I think, until December. The U.S. Oh, okay. draft will be a couple of days before uh, the import. Uh, the, the U.S. Bantam draft, as they call it, will be um, kind of early December, and then a couple of days later will be the, uh, the WHL. Uh, they used to call it the Bantam draft, but it's not Bantam anymore, so it's called right. the WHL draft. But that's when the 06s will be drafted. That generally would be drafted around now, uh, early yeah. May. Uh, that'll give all the teams a chance to watch these guys, you know, for a couple months. Uh, give a, a fair shot to all the kids to show what they got. So, um, but we are hopeful that the o fives uh, that the board will be open for the O five uh, players like, uh, you know, Zeev and, and Fields, the two players we'd selected in that draft to be able to come and uh, they'll be sixteen, so they're eligible to play for the team should they, you know, be offered a contract and sign and all that stuff. But uh, I think it's really important for those guys to, you know, obviously see us facilities and meet our staff and do mm-hmm. what we're all about. So uh, we're hopeful that by then, uh, you know, in September that the borders will be uh, uh, a lot more open than they are now. And uh, that'll be a positive step for, you know, it's funny, Tanner that hadn't even seen our dressing room before, <laughs> you know, that's funny to play <laughs> a season and never even seen our dressing room. So <laughs> right. it's just a unique situation. So uh, we really just kind of uh, are dealing with everything uh, kind of day by day in that, in that respect.
1: Yeah. I know the uh, 2020 Bantam draft took place. Uh a year ago and about two weeks or or something like that, it was
0: back in April, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: it was at the end of last April. Uh, is there any indication on a draft lottery or an order uh in that regard Colin
2: yeah, um I think they're going to be releasing something about that here as a league in the next week or two, but uh um you know there's going to be a, a weighted lottery system, I think was what the competitions committee in our league came up with where uh it weighted the results of this season, but not as heavily as it would in other years, there's going to be kind of buckets of ABC groups, um, of teams and a bit of more of an ability to move up. If you win the lottery, than you would, you know, more teams involved in the lottery and you can move up, but, um, you know, the top, top spot being reserved for teams that are in that C, you know, uh, group of teams, uh, standings-wise that were at the bottom third of the league so far uh, in, in their points percentage because some teams played less games than others because of COVID. So uh, it was a system that they kind of put together and, uh, you know, weighted a lot of factors. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be teams that, you know, jump up or move down. But in, in general, I, I think the spirit of what the competitions committee and the league wanted was, you know, for those teams that were closer to the bottom of the standings to be, you know, mm-hmm. having the higher picks, generally speaking. In the first round, I think, as the second round goes, it'll be more um just standard order and go from there
1: you know every off season Colin some difficult decisions have to be made, and there are a, a number of really, really good o ones that are on this team that that looked like they are certainly worthy of returning next season, but of course, you're handcuffed. you can only bring three o ones back into the mold for next year. Are there any bulletproof players who are guaranteed to be coming back anything along those lines?
2: Well, I think uh I mean I think it's pretty logical math that I mean you have uh you know you've got a goaltender that's you know 30 or so wins away from the all-time WHL record which would be uh something that uh would be a, a massive milestone for for not only Nolan but our our hockey club uh, to have that uh you know coveted uh number that's been around for years uh potentially beaten next year I think that obviously gives Nolan a leg up to being a 20 year old with us being that he started with us as a 16 year old mm-hmm. um, I think Rhett Reinhardt uh, had an unbelievable year um, as a defenseman who's come a ton uh, since we got him even in that raw potential that people were seeing when he was 16 and 17 has started to turn into you know real pro interest and really uh, you know a guy that had a you know, nearly a point a game as a defenseman, played a very disciplined game. He cleaned up that part of his game and has the size, the right shot, uh, all the all the things you'd want. So, I mean, he's obviously uh, a guy that's likely to be back. And then, you know, the Robin situation puts everything in flux in terms of, you know, our other 20-year-old spots. You know, we've got three forwards that played on that line together for a majority of this year in Morozov. Trishan and Stevenson that all brought different things to the table and all, all, you know, showed that they can play in this league as 20 year olds. So, um, you know, we, we won't really know until we know on Robbins, but uh, you know, that's going to be, you know, an open competition for the guys that are going to be at camp to to try and earn that spot. And, um, you know, we, you know, nothing's ever set in stone, but I think those are kind of, you know, where we're, we're currently leaning right now. And, uh, um, you know, they're just, uh, we, we made a pretty big, commitment in terms of acquiring Reinhardt and, uh, uh, you know, we, we got a first round pick for Florchuk and flipped it for flipped that first. And then you know, we got a third back as well, but we flipped it for Reinhardt. So, you know, he's a guy we made a pretty big investment in. And, uh, when you make an investment in a player and they show the type type of gains and improvements that he did this year, I think it'd be uh, a big disservice to our club to not have him back in the fold. So that's kind of where our headset, is, uh, headspace is at, but, uh, you know, we really, Uh, thought extremely highly of of patrician and stevenson and morozov out there Uh, patrician was a guy that was just you know really opened a lot of eyes for you know what he brought off the ice what he brought to the center ice position in terms of you know winning draws and battling and i think of that game where you know robbins was out early in the game and we were shorthanded and he was playing you know got moved up the lineup and was penalty killing we were in penalty trouble and he was just You know he got stitches and came back in the third and it was an unbelievable performance by him that night and I'll never Mm -hmm. forget that game uh, for a player that's kind of an unheralded guy and an unassuming guy to have a game like that and that was really what his season was all about and then obviously we know Stevenson uh, is a guy that can score and he's got skill and I think he was learning Mitch's system more and more as as things gone on. I know his scoring dried up a little bit there at the end but uh, we think he's a guy that can certainly score 30 goals next year as a 20 year old in this league and then Morozov, I know didn't have the offensive season he wanted but uh boy every night he had chances and shots on net and really drove the morale of the team and really brings a ton of attributes off the ice as well as versatility so we love all yeah. three of those guys so it's a tough spot for all those guys and and we acknowledge that at the exit meetings that it's not easy for any of them but uh you know we wanted to be honest with them about where we were at and and really give those guys the full picture of you know not misleading players is something that's extremely important to me as a you know, as a manager, is to be really straight up and honest with the guys, and as fair as I possibly can be at all times with them, and we owe them that.
0: CP, you had twenty six guys in Regina, and you had a lot of youngsters that I saw for the first time, really playing games right away. There was no training camp that I was able to see, no spring uh, training, like exhibition games that you could see. It was basically right into the frying pan uh, to to for some of those guys and for kids like. Ben Sanderson, Tanner Molendike, uh, Pasha Bacharoff, uh guys like that on the blue line, even up front, Hayden Smith would get a chance to see Carter's streak. Uh, Brandon Lazowski, of course, was phenomenal. But did you have any other 2003 2004 born guys that you weren't able to bring to Regina that you can maybe bring to a training camp and have a look at this time around?
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, there was some, uh, I mean, I think, when it came to 2003, I mean, we're, you're, you're pretty limited by the, the players that you have signed. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't going to sign a player that we weren't certain was going to play for our hockey club. Um, you know, just to kind of get them there. That wasn't, that wouldn't be fair to them or, or us or anyone. So, um, uh, at the O three 3 a 17 year old age group, that wasn't really, you know, an option, but, you know, we definitely had some guys that, had, uh, you know, whose seasons were over should we have been able to bring more players in, uh, you know, there were some O fours that weren't able to come that we, you know, had, uh, you know, that we think are going to be good blades one day. I think of a tie to know in, uh, a tied to know in, uh, Red Deer had a really, really good season playing with Danielson on his line, uh, in Red Deer before their season got shut down. And he's a guy that, uh, you know, I think we're all very interested to see at camp and, um, that's kind of really developed, um, from, from where we drafted him later on in the draft. And, uh, You know there's an american player named julian beaumont that had a really really good season in the u.s uh, for the dallas stars organization and um you know he's not signed with us at this point but uh, a guy that really kind of uh, showed what he was all about at some national level events that we were able to be at uh, or watch online and he's a guy that's got a lot of speed and skill and uh, he's a guy that we would have loved to have in the bubble should he have been signed and uh, but, of course, being American, that wasn't possible either. So uh, there were some names for sure. And, and we have some old fives that we would have loved to have in there. Were we allowed to have more numbers? Think of a Lucas Hansen, uh, you know, at centre would have really helped our uh, when we got those injuries up front. He would have brought a lot to the table uh, in terms of learning Mitch's system before next year. And as a guy who wants to make our group next year, and Parr and Volokovsky, and uh, there's, you know, uh, a number of players uh, that we've kind of... Um, you know, got kind of inner system, Jordan Keller. I think of all those guys would have benefited from that experience, but you know, you can't bring thirty five guys there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One guy I do want to ask about, and it's a two thousand three born center from here in Saskatchewan. What is the status of Jaden Weens?
2: Well, um Weensy obviously opted out of this season. Um, you know, we fully uh kind of respected his decision on that and uh um you know we would love to have Jaden back, I think uh he's a really really good hockey player he's got a great engine he's a great kid um, I think uh, there's nothing but uh, you know open arms for us uh, towards uh, him returning next season and I know he'll have uh, you know the next couple you know weeks or months here to decide um, you know what he wants to do with his career and in and, um, and what he wants to do with his future but uh, you know we we certainly want him back he could you know be a big big player for us uh, next year and um you know he had a great season at 16 and he brings speed and skill to our lineup he's versatile as well he can play center of the wing and um you know he's a guy we really want back so uh that's up to Jaden in terms of where he's at in, uh, in his life every everybody's been affected by covid differently and we have no judgment at all on anybody's um, decisions that they made during COVID for the, what was best for them and their family. So, um, you know, we'll be in discussions, of course, with his family and his agent and all that stuff about uh, our uh, thoughts for him next year. But I know our players would love to have him back, and, and so would we. Okay.
1: Colin, I, you know, this question was going to come up sooner or later. We can't let you go without asking it. But Chase Waters, of course, <laughs> has quite the name to him, especially when you consider the impact that he's had in the Blades organization. And you certainly referenced that in the post-game following his last career game. Maybe take us through that moment and how special it was for you to to tap into the Zoom call and give him the news that his number 44 was going raise, to be raised to the
2: rafters. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story because uh, um, I... It was not something like, obviously, you know, I've I've had in mind that no one was going to wear that jersey again uh, for a while, but it wasn't something that I was thinking of, um, you know, making a big announcement about or anything. Um, It wasn't a, it wasn't a planned event. Uh, I was actually driving on the highway um, kind of pulled over at the side of the road, watching our third period against Brandon um, driving into Saskatoon um, to, to do some meetings and, um, you know, it was one of those things where I just watched the last period of that game and kind of just thought to myself, like, you know, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to let this kid know, you know, he's going to be filled with emotions. I'd love to let him know, kind of, he knows. Hopefully, he all knows what he knows. What, hopefully, he knows what he meant to this organization. And, uh, but I thought, you know, let's uh, let's tell him in person. I, I thought, you know, I pulled over to the side of the road and pulled off on a little side street. And thank God for Zoom these days. You can do this kind of stuff now. And you were a great uh, balker to get things uh, get me on quickly with him and uh, honestly I didn't even think it was going to be on the radio. I thought it was just going to be like a chance for me to look at him face to face after the game and, and sincerely thank him since I wasn't in the bubble so I wasn't able to do it in person and uh, you know I just spoke from the heart to him and let him know and um, my phone started blowing up with texts and tweets and stuff and I thought. <laughs> That's uh, funny, and I didn't realize that it was actually carried on <laughs> the air. So, do you do I'm you think
0: I'd let sorry. you get away? Do you think I'd uh, let you get away
2: without that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure it made for some good radio. But it, it was, was nice. wonderful, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a planned event. Like if it was planned, I would have let Mitch know uh, a lot sooner than three seconds before he, get, he got me the link. Uh, <laughs> when he have to be sitting in that chair checking his phone, but uh, no, it was just something I wanted to have a moment with Chase. He was kind of, uh, you know. You know, the first year we really got to dig into a draft and and be a part of it and, you know, being a first-round pick and, and, you know, meeting with him and his family in Lloyd when he was 15. I remember him looking at me and saying, I'm just going to, all I want to do is I want to go out and hit guys. I want to go body check guys and hit, play hard for you. And I kind of drafted him knowing he was going to be a captain type of kid. But there's a lot of kids you draft, you hope that will happen, and not a lot of them turn out to be Chase Waters. So um, it was a special moment that I'm glad I got to share with Chase uh, on the Zoom and then, you know, I'm glad everybody else saw at home and the parents got to hear it as well. Uh, um, it wasn't the intention behind it, but, uh, you know, sometimes good things happen for a reason. And uh, I'll never forget that little dirt road I pulled off of an hour away from Saskatoon and was able to have that moment with him. And, uh, you know, when that ceremony is and all that kind of stuff, you know, I think we can save that for the future. I don't think we need to do it uh, anytime in the next, you know, few games or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We've got time, but I think, he needed to know what he meant to the club, and I know he did. But uh, I wanted him to hear it from me.
0: Well, the video from that is incredible. Yeah. It was the kind of thing where even an old guy like me, who's seen a lot in the course of time, kind of got choked up a little bit. It was it was hard to talk after that. Uh, <laughs> both both Tyler I, know, I...
2: I haven't seen the video. I've never really seen the video. Uh, so you know, maybe one day we can we can get it for our fans to be able to experience yeah. it. If anyone saved the Zoom, but uh, um, you know, he's uh, one one in a million kids. Yep. And uh, I told him when his pro career is done, he can he can come be a coach for the Blades, or he can be a general manager at one of the dealerships in our group, or one of our other businesses. He's the kind of guy you just you want to have, you know, making decisions, and you want to have that guy, you know, in your life, of course. But you also want him uh, on your team, no matter what business you're in. So uh, uh, and his family too. Scott and Janice are amazing. So Mm -hmm. um, you know he'll leave a legacy behind, and uh, it'll be tough shoes for the next captain to fill. But I think everybody knows no one's going to fill those shoes. It's going to be a, a new a new pair of shoes to fill, and uh, and no one's expecting anybody to come in and have to try and be what Chase was because those guys don't come around very often.
0: Mm-hmm. Tyler Work was a puddle, and I wasn't far behind I him. I know. I'll I was, tell you that. I, I was <laughs> you too. really struggling. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> no, it was beautifully said, Colin, yep. and it was wonderful that our fans could experience that raw emotion as it was happening as well. Of course, Chase isn't the only one who's gone through a send-off, who's graduated now from the WHL as a member of the Saskatoon Blades, there's Caden Daly, and like you already alluded to, you met Wyatt after he had played his final season with the Blades, a very uncommon circumstance, but what can you say about Caden and Wyatt and the way they represented the Blades in their final season?
2: Yeah, I mean for both those guys who weren't with us for a long time, but they were here for a good time, I certainly mm-hmm. told them as a joke, but like you know, Caden, firstly, I mean, he really helped our group last year. We were in a bit of a rut after we didn't, you know, we didn't get Kirby back and that was kind of that albatross that was kind of hanging around our team's neck all year. And, you know, you wondered if he was coming back maybe at Christmas or something and everybody was kind of on pins and needles. And, and then I think after the deadline when we made some moves there, we brought in Ryan but Daly really helped our group and Fasco Rudis up front, but Daly really helped solidify our depth and bring some speed and leadership and, You know, being a smiling face around the room, that was a bit stressed, I think, with the expectations being so high that year. I think, you know, everybody, you know, we we, he really brought a lot to the table off the ice, but he also had the ability to play in the third line or the first line or the second line. He was up and down the lineup and penalty killing made our penalty kill better. And then he really just brought everything he did last year, but he really brought it up a a notch this year. And I I know, like, him and Chase and Wyatt were big believers in the same philosophy I've always believed in, which is it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 20, there's no ages on our group. Like, you know, Chase was, you know, I know his last meal on his pregame, he was sitting with Sammy May, a healthy scratch kind of on the last game of the Mm -hmm. year. And that's who Chase chose to have his final kind of lunch with. And that's the spirit of what we want our group to be about. And Wyatt and and Caden, you know, there was no big dogging because they were older vets. Like it was all about including the young guys and bringing those guys along. And I know the, you know, the streaks and the Smiths and the young guys that were up front uh, learning the ropes. I think Caden taught them a lot. And same with Wyatt on the back end. I think there's no coincidence that, you know, Reinhardt, you know, really took a big step in his career. But playing with Wyatt really helped him in that that respect in terms of his approach, his demeanor, all those things. And, and, and you know, Wyatt had a huge impact in a short time on our young defensemen. I think of a guy like Tanner Mollendyke or... Pasha Barcharov and, and mm-hmm. um, Saunderson and Schneider, these young guys that got to learn off of him for those 24 games. That's why we made that trade. It was it was so he could be there showing those guys the way for when he wasn't there. And, and I know Della uh, obviously valued his time learning from McLeod as a leader on the group next year. So uh, we're we're so thankful for both those guys.
0: CP, what's next? What, what's on the chronology hockey wise? for you and the Blades over the next few months before hopefully we get to be at a training camp in September?
2: Well, I mean, first and foremost, we've got the Euro draft that's going to be, you know, a a different Euro draft in some years because, you know, there is still some uncertainty with the borders and some guys deciding whether they want to kind of commit their name to coming next year or want to kind of see what things are doing in October which doesn't help teams now taking a pick in July so we'll have to kind of weigh the risk reward on some of those guys uh, we want some we want some impact Euros you know we're not afraid to take a, a little bit of an older Euro if we need to to try and fill the void that's left by some of those graduating forwards um, obviously uh, you know it would be a, a grand slam home run to be able to, to get a Brad Lambert to, to, to commit to the blades uh, you know that's something that we're actively kind of you know, working on every day. Uh, And then also, you know, we do have, you know, we have eight defensemen that we think are every night players in this league and good prospects and good players. And, you know, ideally, you know, we can look to maybe potentially move a defenseman for some forward help. And then again, we've got a lot of really good goalies in our system and and potentially using that to help our forward help as well. So those are the things that I'm going to be working on with Hiltie, Dan, Mitch, all the guys, and we're all kind of in, in conversations about, you know, different, things that are out there and now that the teams are finishing up their seasons in other divisions I think things will heat up on the conversation front you got a bunch of you know 22 GMs who have been kind of hamstrung to make any moves (laughs) for a year and a half and these guys are itchy to make make things happen and help their clubs and everybody wants to get back to you know being a manager and and, you know really working the roster and and doing that stuff as Mm -hmm. am I so I'm excited for what the next few months hold and And then also we have some prospects that are, you know, we have some American prospects that we really, really like that we want to have a chance to, I know whether, if the border's closed, you know, Mitch has a, Mitch has his residency in Everett uh, during the off season months. And maybe there's an opportunity for Mitch to meet with these guys uh, in Everett or go down to their States to, to visit them if they're not able to come up to Canada. And, you know, Mitch is an unbelievable ambassador for our program and someone that we, you know, for, you know, we, we just, absolutely think he's he's the best coach in the league and ever, any bit of help he he brings us off the ice recruiting these players and helping with our uh, young young players and you know is invaluable to us so uh, i know mitch is going to be really looking to to you know join that fray in terms of um helping us with some of these american guys and europeans and all that stuff so we're we're extremely fortunate to have him uh have them in the organization, and uh, so all of us are going to be working together to try and Mm -hmm. give our fans the absolute best team we can starting uh, in October, and hopefully a a sold-out crowd, or whatever capacity sold-out is, and um, there's some really exciting times ahead for the Blades.
0: But there'll be some R&R for you and the family, right?
2: Well, I mean, uh, if everything's (laughs) shut down, I mean, uh, the (laughs) parking lot is the that's, big destination right now but that's uh, alberta hopefully yeah maybe july <laughs> or august but i've had enough our i've had enough shutdown i've done enough children's books that i've read i've watched more elmo i've i've i know every pepper pig book and episode back to front like, I'm, ready to be, I'm ready to make some stuff happen here um, and uh it's finally warm out so we can get the bikes out but yeah. uh um, yeah, we're, I, R&R is kind of on the back plate for me. To me, I look at the last year and a half as great family time that I've been able to have, um, you know, not being uh, at the office every day, but uh, uh, we're ready to make, make some things happen and, of course, enjoy the beautiful weather that we have here in uh, in Saskatchewan all summer. So it's going uh, to be a fun summer and hopefully a productive one for the Blades and something our fans can really be excited about uh, piece by piece. It won't happen all at once here. We're going to have to, you know, there's twenty one teams besides us that wanna make their team better and there's not, you know, a slew of players that are just always out there. So it's gonna be a fun challenge to get it done, but I really believe in the group we have to to get that done and bring a, a really deep, strong team that's built from the goaltending position. Uh, with a really strong back end out, and then we've got some star players up front, and we want to complement them with other real good forwards. And and then we really want to see a step out of some of those young guys. We want to see those guys take the challenge that I gave them and take that big step to the next level that they're they're able to take a bigger role on next year.
0: Tennis rackets then been restrung, and your golf clubs are shined up, ready to go, though?
2: The golf clubs are dirty, but they are ready to go. (laughs) They're open. Tennis rackets are probably hastily strung but uh <laughs> i would love to get out and play tennis right now unfortunately with some of the restrictions it's difficult but yeah. uh um my wife is probably looking to get out there and show me a thing or two being a former university tennis player herself she uh, loves to get out there so we'll probably hit as long as it's limited to households and then uh i don't know if there'll be any tournaments i kind of came out of uh, tournament retirement two years ago and tried to play a few senior events which sounds funny uh <laughs> 35 and ups and <laughs> I enjoyed those as much as they made me absolutely furious with my level of play and fitness, but uh, they motivated me for sure. Wasn't able to play any last year because of COVID. So if the tennis tournament scene is open for the summer, I'd love that. And then I've always, I've been 19 straight years playing, uh, on a, you know, a division one men's ball hockey team. And every year we, you know, try to make our, make nationals and things like that. And that's something I've always, uh, been a huge part of my off season every year. It's something I really love doing. And, uh, at this point, it doesn't look like it's all systems go at this point yet, but hopefully we get a, a short season in so I can, I can get out and do some, do some activities and uh, lose a couple of the COVID LBs that I put on.
1: <laughs> well, here's hoping everything starts easing up and you're going to have a busy summer ahead, Colin. But here's a fun question that we like asking, uh, more so the players, because, you know, the players are in quarantine. They're obviously watching a lot of TV. But when the kids are in bed, you're up late and you're turning on Netflix, what's your go-to show?
2: Oof, I'm an absolute snob and complete cinephile when it comes to all things TV and movies. Like I was a journalism major and obviously a musician in a past life. So, you know, I, uh, I watch absolutely everything that's kind of acclaimed, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm a big fan of like all things like kind of murder mysteries, uh, any kind of procedural crime dramas I'm all over. Okay. I watch a lot of European shows cause I'm all out of the, the, uh, american shows but uh um you know really kind of you know there's a bunch of really good you know foreign shows that that i often that my wife and i watch that uh you know when the, when the u.s shows are done but i'm really into mayor of east town right now it's a show on hbo that's on sunday nights. Mm-hmm. that's kind of my number one that i'm watching each week right now on on sunday nights kate Winsletton, and she's really really good and uh Um, and then any kind of documentary I can get my hands on about any kind of true crime or any kind of documentary about, uh, I'm watching the Elvis documentary on Netflix right now. that's really good. Mm. Um, um, all those kind of things. Uh, And if anyone ever needs any recommendations for anything, feel free to send me a tweet because I have a list of about 500, uh, that I've watched and, uh, I've definitely spent my time at night watching a lot of shows.
1: I might have to get in touch with you. I think Les too. less too. Less's TV selection is a little questionable at times.
2: <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, there's oh. always. Everybody's got different tastes. I fully admit I'm a yes. snob when it comes to movies, music, and TV shows. And um, I, uh, you know, I think The Wire is the greatest show ever made. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. kind of like the genre. Curb Your Enthusiasm is my favorite comedy <laughs> ever. So show. those are kind of that's the vein I'm in, and I know yeah. it's. Uh, not It's a different vein than other people, but everybody's, uh, there's enough stuff for every taste out there. But uh, oh, yeah. if anyone's ever looking for a good recommendation uh, and they're, they're through of everything they could have possibly screened, then I can get you into the European stuff, which is amazingly well done. And you just have to get used to watching the subtitles. And uh, uh, But there's a whole other wealth of great shows out there mm-hmm. from, from other countries, too. So that's something I, I'm a big fan of in, in uh, my downtime.
1: Here's another question, CP. What's the best concert you've ever been to?
2: Best concert I've ever been to would be one that I was kind of in, attached to. One of my, as the Odd Blade fan might remember, uh, one of my good friends who became my good friends. Who was my favorite singer growing up? Uh, his name is Dan Byrne, and I kind of became uh, a musician because of him. Really, um, he inspired me a lot, and I was such a big fan of his that when he toured, uh, he toured through Edmonton in two thousand one. I wrote the whole set list for him and we played tennis that day. And it was the first day we kind of got to ever hang out. We had emailed back and forth a bit and he was a big tennis player and played college tennis like I did. So, um, I emailed him, uh, I gave him a set list that morning of all these unreleased songs. that I didn't even know if he remembered. And it was like 25 songs. I was like the biggest fan of his in the world. And <laughs> he ended up playing all 25 of them that night to a packed crowd. And I think he called me up to sing with him on one of them. And, uh, I'll always remember that one. Cause it was a special night. Um, uh, to be kind of like playing uh, God with your favorite singer set list, and then over time, he actually had me out on tour when I was 21 or 22. I opened for him in the states um, for you know a leg of his tour in the U.S. And you know, I always used to open for him when when he came through Edmonton. And now we've become really close lifelong friends. And uh, that's the best show I've ever seen in terms of in terms of that. But I think the best show I've ever seen is the next time one of my favorite bands plays when COVID is over because mm-hmm. I think that'll be. A, a huge release for the people out there that love live music like I do. Or I mean I was privileged to play some live music over the years and there's nothing better than being at a show where you love the band and um, you know you can, you know, really you know, get into the experience being with other people. It's a little different watching bands on Zoom and stuff, so mm-hmm. I can't wait to be back at shows.
1: No, I think everyone listening as well as Les and I are with you there. Mm. We do have a couple of fans submitted questions if you have a little bit more time to spare C P. Let's do it. Megan Resch, and I apologize, Megan, if I'm saying your last name incorrectly, but she's wondering what your favorite thing to do in Saskatoon is.
2: My favorite thing to do in Saskatoon is, um, it depends if it's winter months or summer months. I mean, um, I love the restaurants in Saskatoon. Um, I love taking my daughter to the Wonder Hub. I know that's been closed down quite a bit in the last year, but she absolutely loves it there. So that's my favorite thing to do with Paula. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's some hidden gem tennis courts that have just been built and repaved that are down by the river, um, that are kind of like, I don't know if they're hidden gem anymore because they've been a year and a half, but, uh, I love playing there overlooking the river. That's one of my favorite things to do there. And, um, and, uh, those are, you know, I love Congress is my favorite restaurant there. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. my wife's friend Blair is, uh, um, the owner of that restaurant and they're really close friends and she's, uh, an amazing lady that's, uh, own several restaurants in town, uh, with hometown diner and things like that. So those are, those are our favorite spots to eat at for sure.
0: Okay. So the last one we have from a fan is from actually one of the great clothes horses of all time oh, that I know. Wow. He would be second only to Rod Peterson. And of course that's oh, Darren DuPont. Yeah. <laughs> Darren DuPont wants to know, CP, where do you get your suits?
2: Where do I get my suits? Well, I have two levels of suit. One was when I used to work in the car business and I made a lot more money than I make now. Uh, (laughs) There was a different level of suit involved then, and I have a few of those, but at some point I grew too big for those suits. Then I lost a bit of weight and grew back into them, but I'm scared to try them on now. But um, that's been an influx kind of thing. But generally, like, if I was in Edmonton back, uh, living in Edmonton, it would have been, um, you know, at maybe a Holt Renfrew or whatever. I have a few boss suits that I like. I've got Mm -hmm. a few um i have a suit a prada suit that's kind of the nicest thing i own that i got to my wedding uh, years ago um i like that and then in saskatoon uh, obviously Coswells is uh the place to go to if you're looking for a nice suit but uh eton is a brand of shirt that i really like uh, i think that's uh they don't wrinkle much and they're good if you're on the road they're a bit expensive but they're worth it um and yeah i'm not a huge clothes guy i like sweatpants a lot <laughs> Uh, but um, Double D, I uh, could use some sock recommendations for sure. <laughs> <I> think, uh, <laughs> he I doesn't mean, listen like to hard that. Hard-pressed. Hard-pressed has some good socks. Yeah, I think my yeah. wife obviously does the merch for the blades. She could probably send him some blade socks. There's a lot of, I mean, he's up to style game big time since we all first met him. When I first met him eight years ago, I don't think we would have seen the kind of Euro-Metro Euro, Euro metro kind of look that he's really formed himself <laughs> into. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some questionable decisions at times, but ultimately you always got to <laughs> give credit to the guy that's willing to put himself out there. And uh, Double D always does that, so that's uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's my go-to for those for good those stuff. cities. And then if I'm ever in a, a American city, I always look for uh, a Nordstroms or anything to see if I can find a a good shirt or suit on sale and. Um, Mike Priestner's son so I'm always looking for a good deal on something so uh, <laughs> if a cheap shirt or a suit then I will find it retail is not something I enjoy paying uh, generally speaking
0: <laughs> giving dad the jabs I like it yeah
2: <laughs> and my dad growing up would walk literally at West Edmonton Mall I remember growing up there would be a uh, Music World that was on like one far side of the mall, and HMV that was like a 25 minute walk on the other side of West Edmonton Mall. And if my dad had found a flyer that said the new Bob Dylan CD that he was going to buy was 12.99 at Music World and 14.99 at HMV, he would walk the entire mall. He's <laughs> like, Why the hell would I pay two dollars more when it's over there and I've got two legs? So I've always looked at uh, that uh, philosophy, and he's always instilled that in us. So and phenomenal. he's still like that to this day, and often yeah. I have to remind him that. He doesn't really need to do that anymore. No. <laughs> but he still does. So.
1: Words to live by, for yes. sure. CP, this has been a complete treat. Thank you so much for sparing the time.
2: Awesome, guys. Well, have a great summer, and hopefully, there's some uh, cool news coming in the on the down the pipeline that'll keep everybody kind of going over time here. And uh, we'll we'll be talking to you soon.
1: Very good. Thanks, CP.
2: Thanks, guys. Excellent. Okay. Take care. Take care.
1: Tremendous conversation with general manager Colin Priestner, diving into some of the nitty-gritty, the difficult talking points, obviously. It's, it, every general manager is put into a, a difficult position in the offseason because there will be some difficult decisions that need to be made as the, the team building becomes more apparent uh, as we approach the fall. Uh, Colin uh, did a great job of providing a little bit of clarity to our fans. The biggest thing, I think,
0: that comes out of all of that is that the build for next year... And I think that's what a lot of fans are curious about. Yeah. We couldn't see you this past year. You were 16-5-3. You were third place in the East Division. You had a tremendous team. When we come back to the rink, are we going to have something similar? Are we going to have that sort of a thing to look forward to? And that question is yeah. going to be difficult to answer. And the key thing being Tristan Robbins. And the idea being, as Colin said, the 20-year-old situation for next year, they're going to build and get ready as if he will not be back. And if he does come mm-hmm. back, well, then you make the adjustment. Because if he does come back, the Blades are a serious contender. Hi if he doesn't ho, come back, go. they're still going to be very good. <laughs> they will. Yeah. They're still going to be good based on what I saw this year. Yeah. But they'll be fantastic yeah. if they get Tristan
1: Robbins back. Well, and especially, too, if you're adding in two European forwards that are likely to be picked in the NHL draft. You know?
0: If there is a franchise <laughs> in the Western Hockey League, Mitch, that deserves. Some good fortune to come their way yeah. after having had all kinds of people in the past not come back to them when they should come back to them. And I can go all the way back yeah. to Curtis LeCission. I can go back to Rhett Warner and Ian Gordon the same year. Yeah. I can go back to uh, uh, Scott Sissons for a while. I can go back to Kirby Dock. This franchise has been, for lack of a better word, screwed over by professional teams Losing top end players, if they can get some luck and have Tristan Robbins come back <laughs> and and add Brad Lambert as one of their euros, Oh
1: are you kidding out. me? Look,
0: are you kidding out. me? Yeah, lick your chops in anticipation. But again,
1: it's those possible. Are, those are
0: that's hey, possible, but they're possible. but they're big ifs.
1: Big ifs. There's that's no, all
0: I'll say now. They're
1: there are. Points. It is a big if. Yeah. Let's say hypothetically, Lambert and Robbins are not available. Yep. This season, okay. We've got Nolan Meyer, who Colin also touched on, is mm-hmm. approaching the WHL record for most wins as a goaltender. Yep. Rhett Reinhardt on the defense. Those are the two mm-hmm. catalysts that that uh, that CP alluded to that will be coming back. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do? Well, you stock. You 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 need to fill some holes some goal-scoring holes. Up front, yeah. Definitely. Forwards. Because with losing Robbins, you're probably losing 40 to 50 goals.
0: Yep.
1: Right? Yep. But you can also gain that back with a couple of really good European draft picks. Yes. You know, so I don't want our fans to be too concerned about this whole Tristan Robbins situation. No. And I really do like how CP went into detail yep. saying that we're building this team with or without Robbie. It's yep. a matter of... You know, if he comes back, great. But if he doesn't come back, great. Yeah, We're still fine. That's right. Okay. Yep. It's wonderful. So, no, but getting fired up a little bit here, Less. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I know. Is it, it October yet? Reason to be excited, for sure. <laughs> the time, that, well, I mean, the off-season uh, clock is ticking closer and closer to next season. Yes. So. yes, it is. That's right. Okay, let's shift gears now into the trivia question. Uh, j- just tremendous to have CP uh, shed a little bit more light on his perspective of announcing Chase Waters as a number, his number 44, to be lifted up to the rafters. He will be joined by five other numbers when that day comes. Mm -hmm. The question is, name the five other numbers and the six names that Waters will eventually join when his jersey is retired.
0: Mm -hmm. Good question. If you've been to the rink at all, you've seen those banners, you know exactly who they are.
1: It's not hard to identify. That's right. It'll take a little bit of research and uh, I'm kind of curious, you know. We, I've got the the answer written right in front of us. Yep. Uh, you, how many of these guys did you watch play? Less. Did I watch play as a blade? As a, a member of the broadcast crew. Uh. Yes. Never.
0: Never yeah. in. Never in Saskatoon. Never in
1: Saskatoon. So that but is... I've
0: seen. But I've watched them all, either as a fan. Yeah. At the Winnipeg Arena, or uh, in
1: in covering the National Hockey League when they
0: played. Right in the National Hockey
1: So that's your clue, is that in less is 27 years? Just finished 27. Just yes. finished 27 years? None of these, we haven't had a jersey retirement in that long. Well, it goes back uh, to the early 2000s, 2000, like 2005, 2006,
0: since the last time there's been a jersey retirement.
1: Cor- correct. Let me rephrase that. We haven't had one of these players. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the jerseys that is up in the rafters belongs to... A player that was before... All of the... Tra- okay. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners are understanding what I'm trying to say. Yes, is they that are. The answer, the six names that are lifted up to the rafters have their number retired, played before Les began calling play-by-play yeah. play for the they, they, There they, we go. They
0: predate <laughs> my time as the play-by-play voice of the play. Okay, there we go. Okay, okay. thanks
1: for that. Not a problem. You know, like, I swear I can say words... At
0: times. Sure you can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh The one thing I did want to mention, and and yep. CP was talking about different things, and the one thing I wanted to mention to him and I didn't, when it came to how this season ended, it's still, and it's in perfectly in keeping with how this whole year went with COVID and playing 24 games and no playoffs and all the rest of that stuff. The last game the Blades played, after it, The Brandon Wheat Kings accepted the Subway Cup as the first-place finishers. Normally, when that happens, it's the last game that you play, and you win the last game. Well, this wasn't the last game that was played in Regina. There was one more after that between (laughs) Prince Albert and Swift Current that had to be played in order to finish the whole thing off. And the Wheat Kings are celebrating winning the Subway Cup after losing to the Blades in their last game. Yep. How strange was this? It, It just floors me but then again it shouldn't because this is just how it's been this has for been a, the last
1: 14 months of my life it has been such an unprecedented oh. cluster of a season that why wouldn't it end any other differently than losing your last game but then accepting the championship trophy just crazy you know that just goes to show how bizarre the times are that we are living in right now you know it yeah all right, well, I think that just about does it last What's not me, bizarre yeah. is the fact that we got this done. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And we'll have another one. We will. In two weeks. Because we're going to be bi-weekly now. It is going to continue on with a bi-weekly slate, but these podcast recordings, are the the quality is going to be a lot higher. That's me trying to... Find well, that's because that's Panky. I know. Well, Panky's, he's been a professional ever since... Last summer, when we finally got, when we got him as the producer, he has just been flooring me every time I come in here. Yeah. The technological oh, setup yeah. he's got going on. Oh, just yeah. Unbelievable. He's turning red. I know. He's just sitting he's there. He's embarrassed. <laughs> nodding. He's got a little smirk on his face. Just another day at the office for Panky. Just <laughs> yeah, not all heroes yeah, were cakes. Yeah. But uh, before we go, of course, uh, this is a presentation of Save on Foods as well. Let us Save on Foods do the shopping for you. Shop online today at saveonfoods.com. Uh, you know, obviously there is some warmer weather outside, Les. Have you hit the golf course at all? Not yet. Okay.
0: Uh, (laughs) the clubs are whimpering in my garage. They're there. They're ready to go. They just need to be taken out of storage. whimpered, Cleaned up. And well, they whimper anyway (laughs) when I use them because they're not that good, but you're going to help me with that this, uh, season. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that. need a hand? Yeah. You know who to talk to. I know who to talk to, but yes, no, the clubs will get out
1: and we'll get going and, uh, We'll enjoy a few rounds this year, yes. For sure, for sure. It'll have to happen. But I know I've wasted a lot of your time with this recording, so I'm going to sign off, okay? Okay. This has been episode 36 of Blades Uncut, a presentation of Original 16. Listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, of course, Google Play, SoundCloud, cjwwradio.com. You can also find all of these links on the Saskatoon Blades website. Saskatoonblades.com. All trivia question answers also submit through our online website. Find the Blades Uncut podcast under the interactive tab. Fill out the form, submit your answer. You could win a twenty dollars gift card to the Frozen Pond. Good luck, in- Sayonara, folks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Less is out the door. I'm, done. I'm g- Okay. I'm g- I'm signing off. It's been a lot of fun, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks from now.